All right. Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. We are coming to you live on a uh, lovely February Wednesday. Uh, I've got Michael Tuso, who is the founder of Calypso, uh, a new technology that's coming out or a new product uh, that you all have just come out to market with uh, about a week ago. So I'm excited to get time with you because I imagine launching a product um, and getting it to market is uh, just a, a task in and of itself. So, Michael, I appreciate this. Yeah, super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. What's um, what's it like been? You know, uh, what's it like in the first week? You know, is it? Um, I imagine there's got to be like the pressing the button, like pressing the live button, has to be like the you know the nerve wracking moment, and then it's probably like, oh my gosh, is anybody anybody going to come to the website? And then it's like, oh my gosh, everyone's here. I don't know. It's got to be like this. I imagine emotional roller coaster when you're pressing the button uh, to go live. Yeah, absolutely was. Um, you know, the the investors always want you to go sooner, and the founders are always trying to you know wait wait as long as they can. So it's a little bit of a, a tug of war there. But um, a good uh, a good agreement was set for February launching February first this year, and we're super excited. Um, my calendar has been. I think I have like nine meetings tomorrow wow. and the next day. So very excited for um, for that. It is a very busy um, time at, at Calypso, but um, the launch is definitely going well, um, and we're we're super excited um, for the outpouring of uh, s- support from B two B SaaS companies. So um, yeah, we're super excited. Cool. Well, um, I'm excited. You know, this is a, uh, uh, we got connected through uh, mutual connections. So uh, I'm excited to meet you. And uh, I think you've got a unique angle on um, thinking about some principles and customer success around um, really a lot on the uh, kind of the account side, right? How can we get better at uh, thinking in uh, strategic ways about kind of getting into accounts, um, making sure we can also think about too the right roles or the right people we should be connecting with, um, thinking about how we kind of drive those those accounts to outcomes. So um, excited to talk about that. Before I like to jump into topics, I always like to ask a couple icebreakers, um, you know, get, get get you warmed up. Um, hopefully they're easy and not, you know, overly, overly complex. But um, first one coming at you is if um, if Michael was describing his perfect Sunday morning what does that look like to you? Um, and you can you can actually you know uh, if you were like, hey, my Sunday mornings now are like working, um, you know we can go. Let's go back. You know what's what's a perfect Sunday before uh, you know you launch Calypso, uh, but you know perfect Sunday in Michael's world. I unfortunately did work this Sunday, but it was so that I could take a little bit of time this coming weekend. Um, uh, and so, but um, on a normal Sunday, um, honestly in my hammock reading a book i just like love like doing that my partner has um they, they have a little cabin in northern california and i'll just like put up my hammock uh right next to the river and like read a book for hours and hours so that is like yeah. literally my favorite thing to do on a sunday yeah that sounds uh that sounds very very peaceful very zen like that <laughs> yeah. i would i would appreciate that um and you know uh i feel like you i don't know it's uh, few and far between you come across like a, a great hammock you know um you got to make sure that you you've got a uh, a good a good hammock system we we had a uh, a couple uh maybe it was two years ago we went on a uh, awesome camping trip with a bunch of friends and we stayed in a campsite that was like right on this lake uh-huh. and there was like a like at the end of our campsite or at the bottom you kind of it backed up to the lake there was um you know a series of like what looked like perfectly planted trees for hammocks. And there so wow. we, we set up like four hammocks in a row on these like oh uh, eight trees. It was pretty cool. Um, 
so yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the, you know, just sometimes laying there uh, and the, the swaying motion just puts you right to sleep. Absolutely. When we go on like uh, whitewater rafting trips, like that's the first thing I pack is my hammock. Cause yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know, I gotta, I gotta get that time in. And I've also, as you mentioned, like uh, different types of hammocks, um, there's this teardrop one that's like huge that I was thinking of getting for my backyard. And it's like in the shape oh, of like, a teardrop. Yeah. And it's uh, <laughs> they're really, really expensive, I think, but uh, maybe uh, sometime in the future, I'll get one of those. <laughs> I like it. Um, it sounds so. Uh, I know you. You mentioned you know, uh, you know kind of moving around during the the pandemic time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious, you know, uh, if you've had the chance to go on any adventure adventures. You know, it sounds like you like the outdoors. You like being on hammocks. You talked about a cabin, potentially whitewater rafting. So, uh, is there a particular memory recently of like a, a fun? outdoor adventure, outdoor trip that you were, um, you were on that like comes to mind. Yeah. In August we did, um, a camping trip, uh, trip along the rogue, um, rogue river in Oregon. So I was in, uh, San Francisco and then, um, I just thought to you know change it up. And so we're living in Southern Oregon now. Um, and I absolutely love it. It's very peaceful here. You know, there's mountains everywhere. Um, we're about three hours from Bend, Oregon. So we'll drive up there. Actually, we're going um, next week, next week in Bend to go skiing. Nice. Um, so which I'm terrible at, but I'll still do it. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, in August of last year, it was nice because it was like didn't have cell phone reception. And it's like really rare for me to like get those uh, moments and we're just mostly just um, chilling by the river and like uh, you know doing a, a fire and, and things like that and just like talking and walking and hiking and things like that it was like yeah. I, I always feel like so incredibly relaxed when I get back from a trip like that even if it's just like four days or something like that yeah I'm with you um, my uh, my wife would tell you I'm, I'm not much of a camper but I'll go glamping any day of the week I'm, <laughs> I'm a little or, you know, my wife is like cool roughing it. And I'm like, uh, I'm a little actually, I'm a little more, uh, I'm the one who actually has some higher, like, uh, but, you know, like uh, I need a little bit more of a glamping situation. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, we've, we, uh, I would say ours are a little different in South Carolina, right? We've got a little, little bit of a different terrain, but we yeah. have found a couple cool spots we like to go to. And we love, um, Asheville, North Carolina is close yeah. for us. So we love to get up into the mountains up in Asheville. Um, yeah, and do I love Asheville. I, I grew up in Raleigh, so we would, we would go to Asheville quite a bit. And, um, it, it actually, so I'm outside of Ashland and it's like very similar to Asheville in my opinion. Oh, okay. It's just like a bit smaller, yeah. but, uh, yeah. Asheville is such a beautiful area. That's cool. Well, I uh, appreciate you indulging my uh, <laughs> questions and, uh, to know, get, get to know a little bit more about you. We, um, uh, I think, you know, the interesting part as we were kind of connecting was, uh, this idea, I think, um, you know, we've, we've kind of sometimes in CS we've, we've thrown things around like, Oh, the CSM is meant to go drive value. Sometimes they have a commercial responsibility. Oh, they're meant to drive their relationship. And, um, if you kind of look at those three things, I think we kind of, uh, everyone kind of gets like an inch deep and a mile wide and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah. okay. They're part of the value. They're part of the relationship. They're part of the commercial side. Um, and so I thought, maybe an interesting place to start, um, is this idea of, of relationship building, I think account mapping and starting to think about, you know, how, how are, um, ways that we can help CSMs and CS teams out there think, you know, of, of ways to, uh, maybe enhance their skill sets around accounts, relationships, uh, kind of mapping some of these, um, aspects. And so I'm curious, how would you, how do you kind of start, um, as you think about, you know, coming into like a book of business or a CS leader, you know, um, helping their teams. Okay. Hey, how do we go, um, make sure we're kind of looking at these accounts in the right way, um, and start getting into some of that mapping. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree on the inch deep, mile wide. I think um, I think it, whenever you hear something like drive value, we hear the same thing in sales. And I think it's important to be really concrete and specific by what you mean when you say something like that. Um, do you mean drive to the outcomes of why they bought your product to begin with so that you can continue to show that ROI? So I think that just specificity is really important there. For the CSMs that I've worked with, um, we've really been focused on the delivery side um, of the business and how account mapping uh, feeds into that is essential. So, for example, like the way that an account manager might look at account mapping might be slightly different than how a customer success manager looks at it. And I think that that is a good thing for business. Um, so if we back up to defining um, maybe like what is account mapping, how do you map these like relationships um, to begin with? Um, it's yeah. that visual representation of uh, people, relationships and hier hierarchies um, in an account. And so um, that, that visual piece is, is really um, important and it does take a really proactive mindset. So like on the sales side, we're, we're always saying like you, you have to prospect, right? That's like that heavy, uh, healthy behavior that you do. There's many things like that on the post-sale side that are essential um, that help you with everything from visibility to getting an executive sponsor to uh, prevent, you know, preventing a deal from being lost. Um, I've experienced all of those things and in, in working with, um, you know, companies uh, like previously when I worked at Chili Piper, um, those things would come up uh, very frequently. And I, I was just talking to um, an, uh, an account manager the other day and to CSM who who is working on um, this account mapping process for one of their their larger accounts. Um, and they find by by spending the time there proactively, it helps them significantly with all of the different objectives that they're trying to achieve in both customer success and account management. Yeah, that the point I just wrote down too is um, you start thinking about the differences between an account manager or almost like there, there could be, we'll call them three, but like, you know, uh, if I'm a, an account executive, I'm mapping an account uh, maybe in a slightly different way than an account manager would and then a CSM would. And I think, like you said, like some of that can be good um, because when you, when I look at like a CSM, you know, um, I want to be making sure to map into, let's just call it some of the commercial responsibility, right? So who's signing the check? How can I make sure kind of document where is that coming from? Where is that? But then you also need to start finding some of these internal champions who are using the product that might not be the decision maker, but they're going to influence. And you need to understand how and where they fit into the org. Um, and that might not always be, you know, something that an account executive or somebody is looking at. And so I think there are like nuances or differences. Um, and I liked how you quickly, um, how you quickly said, you know, people relationship hierarchy, right. And, and trying to make sure that you can understand um, quickly those aspects of relationships between team members, how they report into a structure, um, you know, that all determines maybe what the outcomes are and how they might differ by, between teams or between people. So um, I just thought that was interesting thinking about how a CSM might want to be think, you know, looking at some of these um, kind of groups of people that they need to be finding. Yeah, absolutely. And on that in internal champion piece that you brought up, um, I think it's like something we don't really talk about as much in CS um, and post sales in general is um, using those internal champions uh, to trigger tipping points. And so if you're um, if you're single threaded and it will, you know, I love talking about multi threaded um, on this, this topic of account mapping as well. But if you're single threaded in an account and you're 
Um, the customer's not realizing the objectives that they needed to for the original reason of why they bought your tool and you only have one person, um, account mapping can be an excellent tool to help you get multi-threaded and maybe uh, in doing so helps you trigger a tipping point for whether it's usage or achieving those objectives um, or helping them realize their goals. Um, and so I think when we think of account mapping as, oh, it's a lot of work to do, you know, it requires these like really important micro habits for us to develop, you know, we, we see a, a adoption of actually doing the account map to be low. But when we re reframe it as like a tool to help us um, drive to those outcomes and uh, specifically helping us achieve these tipping points, um, you know, whether again, like it be adoption or achieving those goals. Um, account mapping is one of the best tools that you can possibly use um, to do that. And so I just think, think it's, it's really essential for post sales teams. Yeah, the I like that analogy of finding some of those tipping points. Um, the, the thing I just was running through too, right? Or like, what are some of the other, like, um, I'll call them like side benefits. You know, I think there's the direct benefit, like you said, like if I can get multi-threaded, um, it, it, it increases my chance to renew and retain that client. Yeah. Um, like you said, we kind of make sure we know where usage stands or their outcomes. But I'm just thinking of some other side benefits too. It would be really valuable if I have an executive from my company coming in saying, hey, um, you know, would love to know um, what's happening over at Calypso, like who do we know and how do we know them and, and like what are they trying to do, right? Instead of just me saying, oh, I know Michael, um, you know, uh, great, he's trying to achieve X. It'd be great to say, hey, let's like look at this together. I know like four people and here's how they report in to the org and here's the things that they're trying to do, right? It just helps, it helps your executive team also make sure that we're thinking about the right entry points for them to come get involved and to help us in some of those relationships as well, right? If I have a really big customer, um, I want my executives engaging with that. It's only going to be a benefit to me, but I don't want them engaging like an executive on our side with a daily user on their side, right? I need mm -hmm. to find the right level so that it's a, a, an actual conversation that would feel um, much more harmonious instead of it feeling forced, right? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, that, that just came as a side benefit in my mind too. It was yeah. like, hey, that's a great way for us to, to make sure that our teams are engaged at the right levels. Absolutely. Um, I think like you definitely have to match power with power um, more often. And I think um, account mapping is, is another tool um, to, to do that. Mirroring, they're bringing a VP to the table. Why don't we bring a VP to the table? Um, I was just working a, a deal the other day where um, that was the exact uh, uh, dynamic the, and, and multi-threading actually helped me achieve the deal, but multi-threading can also help you in other ways as well. So that executive um, that executive component is is really important. I think it also highlights um, if you're doing proper account mapping, you can see whether you have an executive sponsor or an executive level engagement um, post purchase. And that is like absolutely critical. So if you go and do your account mapping and you force yourself to do this and then you start to say, wait a minute, um, I'm only talking to this like admin and like no, no one else really cares. Like, um, Maybe that is a you know signal for risk. Like we like to talk about product adoption as being a signal for risk, but there's many other signals for for risk as well um, that are very causal actually. And so um, if if the person who signed off on it isn't engaged, like you know that that's really important. If they're bringing power to the table, like it might be great for you to do that. And so this um, this starts to get into the territory of account planning um, and customer success planning as well. 
And I like to uh, nestle my account maps underneath that account plan. And now you start to get in these like really healthy behaviors where you're just like not firefighting all the time, but you're being extremely proactive with your customers. And those are the, those are the people who, um, you know, have, drive those high retention numbers, you know, uh, gross revenue, retention, net revenue, retention, like we, people do, going the extra mile here in that planning process um, are, are by far um, the ones that have higher levels of success. Yeah, I love that point you just made of, of um, intertwining and nestling some of these things together, because sometimes I think people can start to get overwhelmed. Like I've got all these different things I need to be doing and these different tools or different things that should, should be happening for an account. But I think the more that you can nestle them together, they start to feel harmonious and it becomes more of like a, like you said, like a, um, a habit that I'm doing where it's a consistency of, Hey, if I'm, if I'm keeping my account plan updated, my account mapping is a part of that, right? Like it's, it's just a natural habit um, of making sure that those things are done. And I, I agree too. Like I think on the customer success side, we've, we've underutilized, I call them simple tools because I do think of them as simple frameworks. When you think of an account plan or a success mm-hmm. plan, it's really not novel. We're not introducing anything that's um, new or flashy. But I think the thing where people fall down is the consistency of it, right? It's not meant to be a one and done, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of times ends up happening. It's meant to be, hey, if we can create a document, if Michael and I, you know, if you if you bought a product of ours, uh, my hope would be that I get you to the table um, enough uh, or often that we know each other enough that we can keep that updated in a harmonious way that says, okay, is this still accurate? Are we still going after the right things? Okay, we achieved this. Let's check it off the list. What's next, right? How, how do we kind of keep this thing moving? And it's a kind of a living, breathing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that the account plan would, would, or the account mapping would fall underneath that as well. Um, I'm curious um, if you have any, any ways that you've tried to um, build that account mapping. Um, you know, I think, Sometimes people think, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with my kind of day-to-day contact and, you know, mm-hmm. I can't just ask for, you know, who's their boss and then I want to meet with that person, right? So I'm curious if you've kind of found um, ways or, if, or, you know, if there are tactics or even just little tricks that you've, you've picked up over the ways that say, okay, here's how I start to kind of build this mm-hmm. um, so that, you know, it doesn't always have to be a direct ask of like, hey, who's yeah. your boss and how do I meet them? But, you know, in, in more harmonious ways. Yeah, absolutely. So I think like just like thinking like what does an account map like even look like? Um, I would try to make it as visual as possible and not like some people do it in like list form and things like that. Um, I I would try to get like a visual representation via org chart um, and show. uh, So org chart show dispositions, which I'll talk more about in a second, and also path. So understanding like relationships um, to people within, within an account as well. Um, and so the minimum to include then like on an actual, um, you know, if you're including a tile to represent like a person is like name, job title, um, you know, who, who they report to, which is this component, maybe their disposition, like, are they a a detractor? Are they neutral? Are they your champion? That sort of thing. Um, and also maybe like some component of like note taking to signal, um, what they care about, um, interest, that sort of thing. So um, those are kind of like bare bones minimum what to start off with. Then um, once you have that um, understanding, um, okay, maybe I have this like one person um, that I'm talking to. Um, w- one thing I see is that people give up a little bit too quickly um, and then they like move on to the next thing. Um, I see it with prospecting and pre-sales and I see it with relationship building and post-sales. It's like, oh, 
Um, maybe, you know, uh, maybe the person you're talking to is like a little bit scared of like reputation management. And so maybe they're hesitant to make that introduction for you. That's fine. Yeah. That's even normal right now. Right. Like, um, that, that's okay. But that doesn't mean like you can, you should necessarily stop there. Like there was, um, there was a, a conversation the other day. I simply struck up a conversation by messaging the COO of a billion dollar company and, um, they replied back to me. It was nothing about, uh, per se directly, what I was trying to achieve for that initial level conversation, but I was just going for the engagement and guess what? That engagement eventually led to the outcome that I wanted. And so yeah. sometimes we get, we like stress ourselves out because, Oh, this, this, uh, admin level person isn't introducing me. I'm going to view this as a complete and total roadblock. And I'm not going to multi-thread as a result. And I think that um, we're, we're limiting ourselves there and then we move on to something else. There's a little rule I like to uh, keep in the back of my mind here that helps me. Um, and it's like going three by three. And so I try to get like three people across and three people down. And if you go and look at all of your accounts right now and you say, how many, this says nine people, right? Do you have nine people yeah. in that you know, pretty little box uh, across your across your accounts. I guarantee you that if you did have that, the probability for churn is low and expansion is probably high. Um, yeah. But we we allow ourselves to be like, oh, like uh, I don't, um, I'm not exactly getting the result I want, so I'm going to give up. And there's you're not going to get any you're not going to get anybody in trouble by like talking to somebody like else, like per se, if you're doing it like yeah. the right way, strike up a conversation. They're a customer of yours. Like they, um, they have that context. It's already to some extent like warm. Um, and I think, I think it's perfectly fine to like strike up those conversations. That's just talking about within one company umbrella. You also have these dynamics unfold. Um, you know, we see uh, when we're talking to people about expansion with uh, parent child and even sister relationships as well. So like yeah. <laughs> driving that um, driving to the customer outcomes is really important for, for that component as well. How can you grow your product to be stickier in other ways? And a really great way to do that is for starters, that three by three rule um, that really helps me kind of get over any kind of like qualms I ha might have about talking to other people. Yeah. The, um, the thing I like to think about too, that you're, I think alluding to is also, you know, um, just because let's just say my direct champion kind of, you know, is, is like you said, is a little bit under the gun of like, Hey, um, reputation management, Hey, we're in a, you know, going into an uncertain time. I, I just, you know, I kind of want to stay in my bubble and just kind of, Hey, let's, let's kind of keep things going status quo. Um, I like to just then just start maybe even thinking about exploratory questions like, Oh, okay. So, Remind me though, like, okay, you work in the, what part of the org again? And like, how does that kind of map into the L? So even if you can also ask exploratory questions about like, where are they in the organization? Uh, what types of projects or things do they get to work on? You can also start to right size. Like you said, you might not know all the answers, but now you can start to right size. Okay. This person's in the support team. Okay. I get that a little bit. Great. The support team in this organization reports into product. Okay. That's a little different. You know, maybe they're a little smaller org or they're, you know, maybe they're having challenges, the product they need to report into their but even if you ask some of those exploratory questions, so not directly like, hey, can I meet this person? Or, hey, who's that boss? Or, hey, who's that leader? I think those exploratory questions also get them a little bit more comfortable if you start to kind of know. Because then the next time you talk, maybe it's like, hey, yeah, like, are you still reporting into this, uh, the product org? And then you can go do research in the meantime and say, oh, you know, Michael runs that, right? Uh, I, I think, right? Wasn't that what we said last time? You kind of introduce yeah. these types of things in, a, in an easier way that doesn't feel... Uh, a little bit of like, hey, I need you to do this for me. Hey, tell yeah. me who that is. 
um, which I think yeah. sometimes can come across. So that's just another thing I think about too. Oh, I love this concept. So one of the things I'm fascinated by uh, is like maybe taking some things that have been a little bit normalized in pre-sales and maybe bringing that to post-sales. Like there's things that yeah. you know, pre-sales can maybe learn from you know post-sales the other way around too. And we talk a lot about discovery, right, in the sales process, but um, yeah. You know, in that process, you are trying to get information. But I think too many people use it as like a check mark or like a step. And it, it's not yeah. just like a step. It's something that, you know, never ends. And so I think what you said is like, you know, hitting the nail on the head in that this you're you're always gaining that like new information. And if you're trying to keep everything in your head and you have you know, even if I had one account, I wouldn't even be able to remember it. I talk to people who have 90, 100. I talked to someone that had a thousand accounts the other day. So there's just yeah. like no way to remember all of that information and adequately strategize for that. And so if you start viewing it as this information game, well, what is my best tool, you know, to help me acquire that information? Oh, it's discovery. And then if you're you're mapping and documenting, forget about it. Like you are leaps and bounds, um, you know, above your peers, above other companies, you know, people aren't taking the extra step to do that because it requires a little bit of work. But like anything else, once you start developing it as that micro habit, um, it becomes just a, a part of your process. And now you have a system working for you, right? Instead of yeah. coming into work and being like, oh my gosh, my job is so reactive. And so discovery is absolutely essential. Um, I think what you said is just, is, is just perfect there because, you, it might be just like a little nugget of information and then you document that. And now that, that helps you drive something somewhere else, you know? Um, so I, yeah. I, I love what you said there. And um, even if they are unwilling to, to do a referral or, or, or make that introduction, maybe you can say level with them and just say, okay, this is what I'm trying to achieve. Um, you know, how, how does this work at your company? Something just as simple as that can do wonders um, if you if you start to think of like CS as you know getting some of this information to help them achieve their own outcomes that, that they're trying to achieve, yeah, that's a uh, that's another good one that you just mentioned. That um, if you can start asking about processes as well, like that tends to help you, right? Okay, oh, um, hey, I know the renewals not for a long time, but like, can you walk me through like what what would happen, right? Okay, so I give you the renewal quote, you know, who has to approve that, or you know, does it have to go into finances process? What does that look like? But if you ask, I think he's, is um, the more I've gotten into this too, the more you can ask kind of those discovery questions. Hey, how's the org structured? Or hey, how's this process work? Mm-hmm. Um, you you tend to find that's also where um, you can help your champion as well because they some like you know when I join a company like I don't know the full processes and if somebody asks me like hey what happens if we have to renew oh I actually don't know I'm gonna have to go ask finance like you actually help me in my job because i'm gonna probably need to make sure that this renewal goes through um and now i go learn about the process like i don't know there's just some of those questions that i think uh, sometimes people forget that like process surrounds our products yeah and like um the more i know about that then also i can strengthen our product right so if i'm asking about let's just say i have a community product that i sell you right like hey where do you use the data do you push it into your sales for sales forces oh that's cool tell me more like so yeah. are you making decisions on accounts based off that or do sales reps use it to see who's active in the community? And like, great, now you have a whole nother level where you're not even talking about your product. You're actually talking about the ecosystem exactly. and like the processes that surround it, which is pretty cool too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, people don't exactly care about your product. They care about what your product <laughs> can do for them. And yeah. I think that's like really hard for us to get over, right? On every sales pitch, on every CS call I've ever been on ever it's like this is how great we are and i think like that's fine but like you get to that how great you are so much faster if you 
show them how, you know, you're able, you know, I'm a big fan of the jobs to be done framework. You know, they hire you to do a job, you know, that's what they care about doing. Oh, by the way, your product is like the way to do that. And like just aligning to that a little bit more, just like it's so much more customer centric than I think the way that we're framing a lot of um, these conversations. You, You mentioned something about like helping your champion, Um, and I think sometimes we also have to let our champion help us. Like one time I got on a call and I totally botched it, like completely botched the call because I went into it and I kind of got out of this like discovery mindset because, um, I wasn't expecting RevOps to ask me the questions that they did, you know, I'm thinking they're with me. Um, and my, my champion was like a director level person and I didn't let them brief me on this call. It was completely my and then I got on this call and it's a train wreck, right? So the enabling your champion, everybody talks about that, but you also have to get your champion to enable you so that you could go further in, in, in helping them. And I think that that is, that's something that's like very often overlooked. Um, the other thing you mentioned um, about process surrounding, you, you know, um, oftentimes the technology that we're buy, uh, buying, um, if people are doing this well, they're like sitting down and thinking about like, what do I need? And then they go look for the technology, right? So uh, maybe like more novice uh, person will just say, oh, like, what are the tech tools? Let's look, okay, let's just pick one. Um, But like, really, you should take a step before that and and say like, what are absolute uh, needed requirements, right? And then you go and map to it to see um, uh, maybe the solution is do nothing. Like I've seen, we see that so many times, the status quo be the answer, um, which obviously is, um, usually not what you want, right? So um, understanding what are those requirements and processes are so critical, not just, uh, you know, sometimes people get so competitor focused. By understanding that, those requirements, um, you kind of bypass even that competitor conversation because you're like so zoned in on like what exactly it is um, that they need. And going back to the account mapping, <clears throat> perspective change based on roles. Like you can talk to a CRO who wants, XYZ out of your product, maybe, you know, this big high level NRR thing. Um, but then the lower level person might care about like how easy it is to use on a day to day basis. And is it going to save them time and make them money? So like those motivations change. And um, the, the thing I love about account mapping is it forces you to have this persona conversation and get really granular um, about what the motivations are in each person at each level as you're mapping them. So it forces you to do that um, and understanding what are these like little micro motivations behind um, each each person um, beyond just the disposition of the person. Like, are they a detractor? Are they, you know, trying to block you? Are they neutral? You know, are yeah. they on your side? So now you have this like more granular understanding of role then you have the disposition and maybe even like to go one step further is like, what is, what is their relationship to you? Are they an admin of the account? Are they, you know, overseeing the whole thing? Or are they just an end user? So, um, and, and then, so you're not only having to understand the relationships um, to you, but then also you have to understand the relationships to each other. And obviously this is really complex. So it requires uh, discovery and, and maybe a bit of automation where possible too. Yeah. The, um, the, the point that I was just thinking about, which I've never really done before, but now I'm like, I should do is on my account plans or like CS plans. Um, like you should have a spot where you document processes, you know, about where your tool is being used in like a process at the company. Right. So like it's, you know, Hey, our, our product is being used to, 
um, you know, feed ideas into the product team or it's being used here. Like if you can document those things and kind of like a rough idea of what that process is, that really helps too. Um, so I just made a, made a note of that too. Um, as we, I know we've just got a couple minutes left. So I'm curious, you know, um, do you have any, do you have any thoughts for people out there on, um, Hey, you know, Michael, that's great about account mapping, but like I have a thousand accounts. You said, I think you said this example earlier, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, how could I possibly map all these people and these accounts? Mm-hmm. Is there any way that, you know, you think about, um, helping the, the scaled leader out there kind of think, um, on ways to do this, or maybe, um, you know, if they can't do it right, yeah. like what are other, um, maybe other ways or other things they could be thinking about that would yeah. be at least helpful um, in these scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in these conversations, like um, one of the things that usually comes up is some sort of like tiering structure. So maybe you're going for um, for understanding accounts by potential. Um, if and, and that is a little bit more, in my opinion, account management or really zoning in on that expansion. So they might be focused on the planning as it pertains and the mapping as it pertains to potential. Um, uh, I know CSM to do the tiering based on current dollar spend with you. They're trying to take care of like um, those accounts. I think that focus is absolutely key and you can't be everything to everyone. Um, and, uh, and I think that, you know, discerning this is, is really important. I think a, a tiering structure and, um, is super important. I think if we look at all, we should definitely look at all of our customers the same in terms of like respect and, you know, things like that. But I think yeah. it's like each customer and what they're trying to achieve might be like a little bit different, right? Like, um, a little tiny startup has different motivations than a huge like company. And so I might approach my account mapping a little bit differently and tier that out um, differently as well. And then I'm also going to tier it differently depending on whether I'm an account manager more on the business side of the relationship versus the CSM who's more on the delivery side of the relationship, like the different motivations all across the board. Um, so I, I, I think that um, I think that that, that component is um, is really important. The, um, yeah, the thing I was thinking about, you know, for like a scaled leader out there is, is, um, you know, I think it'd be really hard to do it like the a thousand count level, like you said. So how can I segment some of those accounts, get that down further? Right. So let's just say I took a thousand and then I, I kind of lumped off a hundred or so and said, okay, those hundred, I really want to go, um, like use our teams to go do that. Then I think, okay, the other 900, you know, how do you figure out, um, if we can capture any of that at scale? So like, you know, can I, can we send, um, you know, can we send out maybe like a survey or a way for somebody to kind of document like, Hey, who's part of your org? Who's part of this working team? Um, how can we capture some of that information at scale? Um, and then can I start to bucket those people together in different ways? Maybe it's more community driven events. Maybe I invite people to, you know, more like workshop style or, um, networking pieces. And it's maybe based off of title, you know, based off of like what we capture. But like, I think, um, yeah, I think at that level, like you said, it's it's just going to be so hard for you to do that. But like there are tools, I know there are mapping um, like org tools out there that you can kind of look into and, and do that. You can also scrape LinkedIn. You can kind of do like different techniques. But I just think you kind of have to find a way to push them into like a, um, a little bit more of like a, a communal event um, where you're kind of pushing them in and saying, okay, hey, let's, let's interact with this group of people because it's going to be beneficial for you know, these VPs to get together or these, you know, directors to get together about this. Um, so I think the more you can kind of figure out, then you can, you can try and segment them into smaller groups to, um, kind of help them help each other. Um, I think is probably the best thing, best bet to try and make. 
Yeah, absolutely. It needs to be like manageable for you as well. Or like, I don't think that you'll do it. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. like part yeah. of the little things that like, um, I try to do is like sacred time on my calendar or like, uh, you know, Pomodoro technique, uh, you know, where you like really zone in, there's like an app online, you can do it where you, you know, helps you take breaks and, and really focus if I need to for that sacred time. Um, maybe utilize it in your one-on-ones with your managers, um, you know, try to put it in a visible place, like, um, like, uh, nestled under an account plan or somewhere like more visible instead of, uh, this buried in Google drive. I, I see that a lot where that happens and then the utilization isn't there. So again, like finding ways to, to utilize it, um, uh, maybe not just for yourself, but for your team when you're reviewing accounts at risk or for your manager and your one-on-ones. I know it's something that um, uh, CROs have requested in conversations with post-sales teams in, in the past. So use it as this tool that um, it is to be this this powerful, to show your depth of understanding an account and that visibility is just puts you in a different playing field. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great, uh, it's a great, quote to end it on. Um, I think you wrapped that up nicely. Um, cool. Well, uh, a couple, just to recap, you know, I think a, a number of things that we just chatted through that, um, I think are really relevant. The first, uh, that I wrote down just around, you know, account mapping, thinking about, you know, people, relationships, hierarchy kind of seems like a base level. Like how can we kind of get to that, um, very quickly? I like the point you made about finding those tipping points. So how do we find, um, people and outcomes that become tipping points that we can, kind of get momentum from, refer back to kind of uh, make sure that we call those things out. Um, the three by three, I think was another great one. You know, how can we get three wide, three deep at um, accounts, you know, where we go. Um, and then I think towards the end here, you know, thinking um, what's manageable, what's scalable, how do we do this in the right way? Um, you know, it's, if it's going to come across, um, uh, come across to customers as, as uh, not being kind of well put together, then, you know, they're going to see through that. They're not really going to partake or participate. So um, just trying to think through that piece too. So um, I enjoyed this. I, I wrote down a ton of notes, which are going to be cool to go through. Um, but Michael, I appreciate this. Uh, if people want to find more about you, about Calypso, um, you know, first, Give us what, what does Calypso do and then tell us where we can find more um, about you and the business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at Calypso, we're focused on helping companies with expansion sales. Um, and I pretty much live on LinkedIn. So if you message me, I will reply, I promise. So uh, yeah, that's where I live. Awesome. Yeah, we will. Uh, and we'll also link everything in our um, description. So people have links out to, um, to you on LinkedIn and then Calypso as well. So uh, appreciate you doing this. I'm excited to stay connected uh, in uh, the community and uh, we'll chat again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. Mm-hmm.